Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on our app. Today, we're continuing in the series, From Stressed to Blessed, talking about going through our valley and how Jesus gave us back the authority that God gave to Adam. You have all the power over the devil when you realize you can simply tell him no, and he will have to leave in the name of Jesus. Let's see what else Pastor Dwayne has to say about your authority. We want to jump right back in Psalms 84 and begin with the fourth verse, which says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, they make it a spring. The rains also cover it with pools. And they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. And I want to go back and talk a little bit more about blessed is the man whose strength is in you. And really, I want to talk to you as a believer in Christ about the authority that you have in Christ. Way back in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them, mankind, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So literally what God did when when he created man here is he gave him dominion in the earth. It says over all the earth. And in a certain sense, it was like God created this earth and God owns it. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the sea and all who dwell therein. But what God did in Genesis 1, 26 is he gave man authority, dominion in the earth. You can look at it like this. God gave man a lease on the earth. If you own a piece of property and you lease it to me, do you know you need permission to even come in the house? But you're the owner. But yet I have authority or I have dominion because it was leased to me. And literally, that's what God did. He gave man dominion. In fact, in Genesis 2 and 15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend, to guard, and to keep it. So man, not God, had dominion and was supposed to tend and guard and keep. He was supposed to protect this world. Now, you know what happened. Satan came, and how many of you know man did not use the dominion that God gave him? In fact, when, when, when the devil showed up, what Adam should have done is said, no, you don't, get out of here. Because he had dominion to do that. Now, a lot of times in your life and in my life, a similar things happen. The devil shows up, and we have dominion. We can tell him to go. But sometimes we don't tell him to go. Now, whose fault is that? 
I mean, you know, it wasn't God's fault that the devil got in the earth. It was man's fault. In fact, in a real sense, Satan operates with the dominion or the authority that God gave man. And I would say it this way. God did not create the devil. We did. God created an angel, a cherub angel. That's what the Bible tells us Satan was. You can look in Isaiah chapter 14 in Ezekiel chapter 28. He was an angel. He didn't have authority in the earth. But when he deceived man, he took man's authority and he began to operate in this earth with man's authority. So in a real sense, God created an angel, but mankind created the devil because we gave him opportunity. We gave him entry into the earth and we Literally, he usurped and took man's authority. John chapter 5, verse 26. Uh, the, the, the Pharisees are really, they're coming to Jesus and they want to know about his authority. This is what Jesus said. For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted this life, the, the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment. Also, because... He is the son of man. Now, Jesus referred to himself in two different ways. The son of God, speaking of his divinity. But the son of man, speaking of his humanity. He said, I have authority because I'm the son of man. You see, God gave who authority in the earth? Man authority in the earth. So, so Satan came to usurp that authority, but Jesus came to get that authority back. Literally, the, the badge of authority in the earth is to be born of a woman. That's how you're supposed to come into the earth, is to be born of a woman. In, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, it says that he, Jesus, himself, likewise partook of the same... Now, what's the same? Flesh and blood. He came in a body, a flesh and blood body, just like your flesh and blood body. And the reason that he did that was to destroy him that had the power of devil of death, that is the devil. See, for Jesus to have authority in the earth, he had to come in a flesh and blood body, just like your flesh and blood body. In fact, Jesus said, whoever comes into the sheepfold, the earth, any other way, he's a thief and he's a liar. The devil did not come in legally. He came in illegally. He didn't have a physical body. But Jesus came in legally. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. Jesus came in a body like yours that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And he does not give aid or salvation to angels, but he does to the seed of Abraham. Now, notice who can't get saved? Angels. What are demons? Fallen angels. Why? Because they don't have a physical body. You see, you can get saved because Jesus came in a physical body just like yours, flesh and blood. But you can only get saved as long as you live in a flesh and blood body. See, when your body dies and the spirit person on the inside steps out, it's too late. 
It is too late. You can only be saved in a flesh and blood body because Jesus came to save you in a flesh and blood body. And once you step out of that body, you step into eternity and immediately you're sealed for all of eternity. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says it like this. It says, where the tree falls, there it will lie. Whether to the north or to the south, where it falls, there it will lie. It's not talking about trees. It's talking about people. When you fall, when your body gives out and dies, where you fall, where you lie, you will lie for all of eternity. You're either going to be right with God or you're not going to be right with God. So Jesus said to his disciples, behold, I give you authority. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Talking about Satan. Serpents and scorpions are talking about Satan and demon power. And nothing shall by any means harm you. When Jesus arose from the dead, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, what we need to understand is this, that during the intertestamental time, so during the time that Jesus was on earth, everything he did, he did on credit. He did looking forward to what he was going to do on the cross. He forgave people's sins. How could he do that? Well, because he was going to pay for our sins. He, he, he brought healing and deliverance. How could he do that? Because he was going to defeat the devil. So he's given, he says, all authorities given to me in heaven and on earth, go you therefore. Immediately what Jesus did when he arose from the dead, after he had defeated death, sin, and the devil, he gives authority to man. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why he was manifest. Somebody said, oh, he just came to show us how to be a good person. No, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And by the way, back back to our authority, Psalms 115 and verse 16 says, the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The heavens of the heavens, they're the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the children of men. So this is where we have authority because Jesus has now given us that authority. It all happened at the cross. Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Colossians chapter 2, I've got my new King James here. It says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Now, when Jesus was on the cross, Pilate wrote out in three languages an inscription that was put above Jesus' head on a parchment. And it says, Jesus, the King of the Jews. That's why Pilate was crucifying him. But the Bible tells us something different. It says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, having taken it out of the way, having nailed it, to the cross. So that's what Pilate nailed to the cross. But God nailed something else to the cross. If you and I could have seen in the spirit realm, we literally would have seen the hand of God come down and nail something on Jesus' cross. And the Bible tells us what it was. All the handwriting and requirements that were against us, which were contrary to us. So Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. 
meets with God. And the Bible tells us that God, with his own finger, wrote on some tablets. He wrote some laws, some requirements, some commandments. By the way, they, they weren't the, the ten suggestions, right? But God wrote them with his own hand. With his own finger, he wrote them. Now, how many of you, by the way, is there anybody who's broken any of those? Just, just curious, okay. So God took all of those commandments and all those requirements and in a, wrote them on a parchment and in the spirit, God nailed it to the cross. And God said, the reason that Jesus is dying is to pay the penalty for every one of these commandments, every one of these sins, every one of these requirements, Jesus is paying the penalty for them. And the Bible says he's taking it out of the way. How many of you, the devil will always tell you how bad you are and how God, God will not answer your prayers, how God's mad at you, how God's disappointed in you, and God's never going to bless you. The Bible says he is the accuser of the brethren, but every single thing you've ever done wrong was written on that parchment that God put on Jesus' cross, and Jesus paid the price. When Jesus said, it's finished, he's saying, it's all paid for. It is paid for. He paid for it, so you don't need to pay for it, and I don't need to pay for it. He's taking it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, and having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Let me read you the, the 14th verse in the plain English translation. He destroyed the record of the debts standing against us and its rules and regulations. So he didn't just take, he destroyed it. It is gone. It is paid for in full. 15th verse, Deems translation. He set himself and us free. Who did he set free? Himself and us free from all the Spirit's power of evil. On the cross, he put them to open shame. What Jesus did, Jesus did at the cross, he didn't prove he could whip the devil for himself because he took you to the cross. Just like in the beginning, Adam represented you and me when he sinned. Jesus took you and me to the cross. So what he did, he didn't do for himself. The Bible says God was working in Christ. He was working in Jesus, but he wasn't working on Jesus. He was working on you, and he was working on me. And he set himself and us free from all the Spirit's, pow the, the, the spirit's powers of evil. Hammond's translation. By this means also of his death, he hath divested the evil spirits of their power and thrown them out of their temples. Oh, I like that. Weymouth's translation. And the hostile princes. Now, it's not talking about Pilate or Caiaphas. It's talking about Satan and demons. The hostile princes and rulers, he shook off from himself. Oh, I like that. I remember the Apostles' Creed. For those of you who don't know, 
It says he descended into hell. He descended into hell. And the devil thought he had him. And those hostile principalities and powers, those demon rulers, they they, they thought they were going to destroy Jesus. But he shook them off. He shook them off and boldly displayed them as conquerors. He disarmed the principalities and the powers which fought against him. The devil was trying to literally take Jesus down for eternity. They fought against him, but he put them to open shame. Barclay translation says, and on the cross, he stripped the demonic powers and authorities of their power and made a public spectacle of them. So God in man today are working, working together to push back the powers of darkness. It's God's power, but how many of you know he's given it to you and he's given it to me? He's given us, Jesus said, he's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. I, I know there's multiple exits and people go out different ways, but let's just suppose you exit the service this morning on Ivan Rest and you go north and, and you get to, uh, what, what's 44th Street, what do they call that now? Yeah, whatever that is down there, the second light. (laughs) And the light is out, right? The light's out. And there is a policeman standing in the middle of the intersection. And the traffic is coming. Let's just say we got an 18-wheeler, weighs 50,000 pounds, headed towards that police officer. You know what he's going to do? He's going to see it coming. He's just going to go like this. Now, how many of you know he does not have power to stop the 18-wheeler? That 18-wheeler could smush him like a bug. But he does have authority. And authority is delegated power. There's somebody that's behind him that has power. And what God has given the church is he's given the church authority. Jesus said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. So we need to picture ourselves that we have that authority and we need to enforce what Jesus did. So even back in Isaiah, prophetically, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you will prosper, but every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. So you don't just sit back and see what's going to happen. You do something. You need to condemn You need to rise up against. When the devil says, this is what's going to happen, you go, no, you don't. Not in my house, you don't. Not to my kids, you don't. Not to my family, you don't. No, you rise up and you condemn, right? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary of the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I want you to think about this. The last time the devil fled from you is the last time you resisted him. Unfortunately, many Christians live their life as if there is no spiritual realm. 
They live their life as if there is no devil. And everything that happens is just normal. It's just natural circumstances. And they resist nothing. And when you resist nothing, let me just tell you what's going to happen. The devil is going to eat your lunch and pop the bag. He's just going to have his way. Because you and I need to stand against the enemy. And you're like, well, I'm asking God to do that. Listen, God has done everything he's going to do about the devil until Jesus comes back. And he's given you and I authority. And he says, you resist the devil and he will flee from you. In Mark chapter one and verse 27, I love that this is the first chapter of Mark because Jesus just amazed people from the beginning. It says, then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even unclean spirits and they obey him. See, you look at the entire Old Testament and nobody's dealing with the devil. Nobody's dealing with the devil because they did not have authority to deal with the devil. In fact, God is kind of on the outside looking in. And and we don't have time to go into this, but the reason that God made a covenant with Abraham is because God was on the outside and he needed to get in. And uh, those of you who have heard us teach on this, you understand what God did with that covenant with Abraham is God came into the earth. God came into the earth through that covenant that he had with Abraham. But in the Old Testament, people didn't have a way to deal with the devil. But everything changed when Jesus came. When Jesus came, he had a new doctrine. And what new teaching is this? Because even he commands with authority the unclean spirits and they obey him. Now, I want you to realize this. Whatever Jesus did, He didn't do as the son of God. He did as the son of man. In Philippians chapter two, it tells us that Jesus divested himself of all of his privileges in innate deity. So when Jesus ministered, he didn't minister as the son of God. He ministered as the son of man. In fact, he called himself a prophet. He said, a prophet's not without honor except in his own country and among his own relatives. So that's why Jesus said, the works that I do, will you do also? And even greater works than these shall you do. Now, if everything Jesus did, if he did it as God, how many of you know we're doing nothing like that? Because you're not God, I'm not God, and we never will be. But Jesus said, the works that I do, will you do also? And even greater works. Why? Because he did everything that he did as a man anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. By the way, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, verse 27 says that you have an anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One. And that anointing that's in you, it stays inside you. Now, they were amazed because Jesus addressed unclean spirits. He addressed demonic forces and he cast them out. 
you and I, we need to do the same thing. Now, Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. How many of you are believers? First thing Jesus said you'll do is cast out devils. Cast out devils. Some, ooh, it's no big deal. I bind you in Jesus' name, come out. That's all there is to it. Not a big deal. But who's supposed to do that? Believers. Every New Testament believer has authority because you have the name of Jesus. And you can use that name. Now, we've got to get it down on the inside of us. And this is true about any truth in the Bible. Um, Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Now, here's what we sometimes do. We think, well, I've heard that before. I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard that. Um, It was planted. But if you don't water the truth of God's word, it will never produce in your life. So, so, well, I've I've heard people teach on that scripture before, and I've heard that before. Listen, how many of you are glad that it rains multiple times for your yard's sake every summer? It gets watered, right? It stays green. It grows. See, when the word of God is planted on the inside, if it's not watered, it's not going to flourish. It has to be, you keep on watering it. Now, what ultimately happens? God gives the increase. But you and I need to make sure that it gets planted and that it gets watered. And and it's the hearing that word again and again and again. Now, once it gets in our hearts, it's planted, it grows, it's watered, and it grows. That's when the increase, that's when the harvest comes. Um, Let me just close with this scripture in Romans chapter 10 in verse 8. But what does it say? And by the way, it's talking about faith. What does faith say? And by the way, faith is always speaking. Faith is speaking. But what does it say? Do not say in your heart, there's things faith won't say, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it, faith, say? So faith in your heart, you're going to say something, right? What is it going to say? The word is near you. The word is not with Joyce Meyer in Fenton, Missouri. Or whoever else you're listening to and you think, oh, if I could just get to him or I could just get to her, man, they've got it. No, you've got it. The word is near you. How near? It is in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith which we preach. Now, when, when we're preaching the gospel, what should come into our hearts? Faith. But faith has to be vocalized. In fact, there's really there's two ways that faith moves. It's in your mouth, or it can be in your words or in your actions. Your words or your actions. But having faith alone is not enough. 
any more than somebody says, well, I believe Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. Well, that's good. James said it this way. Even the demons believe and tremble. But how many of you know demons don't get saved? Because you need to do something with what you know to be true. So what do you do with that truth that you know? You receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. In fact, the next verse, Romans 10, verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you need to receive Jesus as your Lord, your King, and live for him. So it's not just what you know, it's what you do with what you know. And so often we've thought all faith is, is having it in our head. You know, that's just a mental assent. That's just going, yeah, it's true, it's true, it's true. But if it doesn't change your life, it's not Bible faith. Bible faith changes the way we live. It changes the things we do. It changes the way that we talk. You know, we talk about the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. It's God speaking to you and to me. It's the will of God, and it is absolute truth. And we say the Bible has got the, the great answers to life's questions, and, and it is true. But the Bible also has the greatest questions. Let me give you a couple of them. The Bible says, what is your life? Think about that. What's your life? Somebody would say, well, my life's my family. Somebody would say, my life's a wreck. Somebody else might say, my life's my job. Somebody else would have the answer, well, my life's going nowhere. My life is, is my spouse, my kids. But the Bible answers the question. And the Bible says, what's your life? It's but a vapor. It's here for a moment and it's gone. You know, in the North Country where we live, it's cold in the winter. And you go outside and you breathe and you see your breath. And in two or three seconds, it's gone. And the Bible says, that's what your life is like. In light of eternity, your life is just like a vapor that's here and it's gone. Another question from the Bible, what will the end be? Someday your body will wear out and die. And when that happens, what is the end going to be? Well, the, the Bible says it is a multiple choice, but it's only two choices. It's A, I'm going to spend eternity with God in fellowship with him in a place we call heaven, or I'm going to spend eternity separated from God in a place of torment that's called hell. A third question, a jailer comes to a man named Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Paul answers that question and says that you need to believe on and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. In other words, there is no other Savior. There's no good works I can do. I can't pray enough or give enough or fast enough. Nothing that I can do can make me right with God. But Jesus came, died on a cross, shed his blood, and paid for your and my sins. And the Bible says, to as many as receive him, to them, he gives the right to be the children of God. So I want to pray with you, and I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. So once you repeat this, make this, these words your own, say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, victorious over death, over sin, and over the devil.
And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my King, and I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I'm forgiven. I'm a part of your family, a part of your kingdom now, today and forever, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you just prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer, and you're right with God. Now, I've written a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge, and all the information is right there on your screen. Thank you so much for being with us, and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have a copy mailed to you. Download it instantly or check out our new audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This book is absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is changing lives on and off the air with the help of viewers like you. When you choose to sow into God's kingdom, He will pour out blessings upon you, just like it says in Malachi 3.10. If you'd like to become a partner with us, we have three easy ways that you can give. One, text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Two, visit walkingbyfaith.tv give. Or three, click on the giving icon in our app. We would love to connect with you. When you scan this QR code, you can download our app, send us a prayer request, check out our weekly devotional, and most importantly, stay connected. If you are looking to rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. We pray this message helps you tap into God's power and that you begin to use your authority. We'll see you next time.